0: Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm asking at this time, I'm just thankful, Lord, that I get to share with my brothers and sisters in Christ a fellowship with them, That you have kept us all, Lord, in good health and perfect peace. That we may have trials and tribulations, Lord. We're learning every day that we can rely on you. And I'm asking, Lord, that your Holy Ghost makes your message clear. That we not utter words that don't come from you. That everyone will get a spiritual understanding as to the type of God we serve. And what this whole thing is about. All the tactics that the enemy tries to use to hurt the people of God. And keep them from coming to God. I'm asking that they be taken out of the way. So right now in the name of Jesus. I bind every foul spirit. Every demonic spirit. Every spirit of error. Every spirit of contention. Every spirit of confusion. Every spirit of jealousy, hatred, malice. Every spirit of rejection. Every antichrist spirit that has nothing to do with you Lord. Let it be silenced. Let it be moved out of the way. That your people Lord will be here. And that we will be made whole. Because we have you, Lord. I'm asking that you do these things for your glory and for your honor. For you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. The only faithful, just, righteous, Lord, and holy God, worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. so tonight's study is going to be a pretty interesting one, but before we get going, Sarah's going to come up. She's got a few things to say, but the subject is going to be called Rejection, the Enemy of All Hope in Jesus Christ. Because when you get to the core of what rejection is all about and the damage that it actually does to us, before we can even figure out, you know, life, that there's so many things that are placed on us that attack us daily, and in many cases, we haven't been the people who we claim to be. You know, we've become products of our rejection. So we're going to get deep into that today and um, cover it. Uh, we're going to get a, psycho- a psychologist perspective on it, of course. Then we're going to have a biblical perspective. And, of course, you know, both of them type of kind of intertwine. So from here, Sarah's going to come up. She's going to present something briefly, and then we'll get right into the study.
1: so I want to present something tonight because it was actually brought up in Sunday's Bible study and I want us to take kind of a deeper look at it and we're going to be looking at two different perfects in the Bible and what they actually mean so the first one let's go to Ephesians 4 verse 13 and I have the definitions too because one thing that we want to make sure that we do when we're looking at words in the scripture is you want to make sure that you look at it in its proper context because if you don't then you can be confused as to what it actually means and then what I have here is I'm going to like read the definitions I'm going to read the definitions that I have and we're going to use the one that actually is for these verses and then we'll look at the other one so Ephesians 4, 4 verse 13 alright Ephesians 4 verse 13 to we all come in the unity of the faith and of the acknowledgement of the son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature stature of the faithfulness of Christ fullness, fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more chil- no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftness whereby they lie in wait to deceive but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ so verse 13 we're going to look at that perfect verse because it said unto, the, unto a perfect man unto a stature unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so and looking at this word perfect in the Greek it is Greek 546 which is telios it's spelled T-E-L-E-I-O-S the definitions uh, when, whenever a word is brought up in either the Greek or Hebrew it gives several definitions and you have to choose the one that is correct for the scripture that you are reading so the, word, uh, the definitions here are brought to its end finish, wanting nothing necessary to completeness perfect. That which is perfect. And then for the last one, it gives two different definitions that we're going to look at. Uh, which it says, consummate human integrity and virtue, and of men full grown, adult, of full age, mature. So, for this one here, it would actually be the maturing process. Because if it says here, and when you look at it, you you could even put into the word mature, unto a mature man. And uh, an example is is that when it says here to the uh, the measure of a stature, you know how whenever you measure somebody's height or a child's height, you have like the measuring stick, and then they stop growing once they get to that full stature. Well, the same thing is with us when we have when Christ is being grown in us, it is a maturing process. So once He is fully grown, we actually get to the next step of the what the word perfect means. But there is the maturing process and then there's the other one we're going to look at so for that one there it it was actually the mature the last one that we looked at alright from here we're going to go to Hebrews 2 verse 9 but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels who for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man for it became him for whom all things and by whom all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Mm-hmm. So, what this perfect here is, um, the both of them are in the in their Greek context are almost pronounced the same. But this one here is Til eio is spelled t e l e i o o. All right, and the definitions that I'm going to read here are. To make perfect, complete. To carry through completely. To accomplish, finish. Bring to an end. To complete. Add what is yet wanting in order to render a thing full. To be found perfect. To bring to the end, goal, proposed. To accomplish. Bring to a close or fulfillment by event of prophecies of the scriptures. So with this one, it is a completing process. So. The salvation through the suffering, um, once it has the maturing process, the next step is to get to the completing process, the, the completing process, or that um, perfection. So there is the maturity, but then there is a stage that once we become so full of the Holy Spirit and we are on fire, then yes, there is a perfection. That, I mean, it's just like, you you won't even want to sin. You don't have any desire to go back to sin. Like we read in 1 John 3 on Sunday, which it says, if you're born of God, you can't sin. I mean, that's not to say, you know, we're like, we're perfect as Christ is because he's the only one without sin. But there is going to come a stage where it is a completion, like we read, he that can keep you from falling. So that is the ultimate goal. Once we get past that maturing process, then we need to be like so of the Holy Spirit that we're not trying to go back our perfection is different it is a completion process so anyways that's just that's what I had tonight to bring forward All
0: right. <laughs> no it's true because um, the Bible says that the Lord will labor with us in birth pains until Christ be formed in us a lot of what we experience as far as being sanctified in the Lord is going through that process where if you're not aware of it, you start to look at yourself as a failure, you know, because you sin and you make mistakes and you do things, but you're not recognizing that during the process, every year or every day, every month, the Holy Ghost is bringing things to your remembrance and taking stuff out of your life, okay? So it is a process. As long as you yield to the Holy Ghost and you let Him work with you, He'll clean those things out of your life. But uh, right now, let's go to Psalm 139. I want to start off with that, and then we'll get right into the lesson. Psalm is like directly in the middle of your Bible if you split it in half. Most likely, you'll end up in Psalms or Job, one of the two. And Job is right next door. 139.
1: 139,
0: yep. This is about the majesty of God and all that He's done. How He's made us, regardless of what science tells you, that we came from some primordial slime. You know, this is talking about the creation and the majesty and the awe of Jesus Christ, of God, you know. All right, Psalm 139, we'll start at verse 1, and it says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down and my uprising, Thou understandest my um, thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my laying down, my lying down, uh, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Uh, it It is high. I cannot attain unto it whether thou shalt go from my spirit from thy spirit or whether shall I flee from thy presence if I ascend up into heaven thou art there if I make my bed in hell behold thou art there if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea even them shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me so what David's making really clear here is there's nothing that God doesn't know in your life whether or not you know everyone here believes in God that's a another story but the fact of the matter is that he's making we try and find so many other ways to deal with life outside of the creator and where we fall in error is is because the way the Lord made us there's things about us that we're not even aware of that he knows so if you want to be complete in Christ and you want the things of Christ If you want to be made complete, whole, not broken, which we're going to get into today, then it's good to know your God because only he can restore that which he created. Mm -hmm. All right, so then it says, If I say surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee because God himself is light whether he's in light or darkness or you're in light or darkness he sees all things for thou hast possessed my range thou hast covered me in my mother's womb I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well interesting points about being fearfully and wonderfully made we're wonderfully made because like again regardless of what scientists believe God made a perfect creation from the beginning through sin, that creation went through some upsets. But, I mean, just the fact that none of us have the same fingerprints, the fact that, you know, I mean, the eyeball is more complex than a a space shuttle. I mean, the fact that we have a reasoning, thinking process, and when we lay down and sleep, we go right into the spirit realm and come back. I know they tell you about your subconscious, but that's also a lie. But the fact that we can do so much good because we can hold so much in our hearts and have love and care for others, but that same individual that God made can still do destructive works. We can still be manipulative in the form of being good and be bad. We can appear like we care for people just to get our agenda met. So this is what it means by fearfully and wonderfully made. We're wonderfully made because if we hearken unto God and do what he calls us to do, Man, you're talking about someone complete in Christ. There's no limit to what the Lord can do for him. But when it comes to fearfully made as those who don't receive Christ, we've covered in so many studies that man outside of God is a beast. He's a beast in nature. Even his best righteousness is still negative. Even though he he, saw, he seeks to do things that are good outside of God, he's still you know somewhat manipulative or self-serving. So... It's good to know that, you know, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, but if we want to be righteous, you know, and made the way God had us, or we fulfill what he had intended for us to be, is to follow him. So it says, uh, My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book... All my members were written. That word there, if you look it up from verse 16 in the beginning, about the substance being unperfect, the word is golem. You know, golem was kind of like what Adam would have been when he was created. He was made out of clay. He was formed and shaped by God. God breathed into Adam, which was his spirit. That word is numa or, or, or ruach. God breathed into Adam, and Adam became a living soul. So that's why we're made of body, soul, and spirit. So he's saying before his substance was even made, it's kind of like speaking of, and it says all the uh, members of my book were written. Any doctor, I mean, or any uh, scientist will tell you when you study DNA, it's really um, information from your genetics, from your cells, things being carried on. So this right here is even to me, the Bible speaking of DNA. Before we were formed, the Lord knew what you were going to look like. All your members, everything was written. So this is why, you know, you have a pattern to walk like your parents. You know, you might have your mom's nose and your dad's lips or whatever. But just to know that God was in control of the whole process while we're there being formed in the womb. I mean, it's an awesome thing. All right. Uh, Which uh, in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me. O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. Than the sand, when I awake, I am still with thee. So think of this: God's thoughts toward you, for anyone, even even for those who don't seek Him like they should, His thoughts towards us are innumerable. The Bible says, like as the sand of the sea. So you know, I mean, the way that people will tell you, well, God doesn't care. You know, He doesn't care anything about you. Why do people die? Why do all this stuff happens? man, we got to step back and take a look at what's really going on in this world and to why God may allow something to be and not be. Because he calls us all to be obedient. And if we're not, you know, those are things that only God can handle. But just to know that we have a creator out there that's pleading with us to get our lives right, to do things with him, because, you know, if he's almighty and all-powerful, he could have taken us when we were in our sin. But the fact that he waited for me, a starch sinner, 30 years to get my life together after being baptized. I mean, I lived like the devil. I mean, whatever was negative there in this world, I did. And it was just his grace and mercy when I found myself in real trouble. You know, life about to fall apart. He came to me because I called out to him. But he always left that door open for me to make it right with him. And even for the young people in here, I mean, guys, if you get this down now... Man, you guys will be miles above us all that made those mistakes. Mm -hmm. Because the same things that I'm learning now was taught to me, but I had a hard head. So it took me to fall into things before I, you know, gave my life back to Christ. So it says, um, uh, 19, surely thou wilt slay the wicked. O God, depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee the wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. You know the world talks about God like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee. I am not, I grieve, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I am not, and I am not, I grieve uh, with those that rise up against thee. I hate them with perfect hatred, I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So you know, David's talking about his life being searched out by God to be made perfect. Now he did mention hatred. I know a lot of people feel like, well, how can a person of God hate? Well, you got to understand what side of things God is on. If there was wickedness, then that would be that which is outside of God. In order to follow God or to do the things of God, you have to hate that which is unrighteous. That's the only way. There's no way of playing both sides of this. And this is where the world gets twisted because they'll tell you murder is wrong, but abortion's okay. So how do you justify the unborn being killed? But it's not okay for you to murder someone else when it's obvious. So, You know, it's just that we have to know what side of things we are on. We can't jump ship. You know, if you're in the dark, then you're not in the light. It's just that simple. You only have a right hand because you have a left to compare it to. So it's all about knowing which side of things that you're on in order to follow God. So when he says he hates them with perfect hatred, he hates that which is unjust against God, not them themselves, because God doesn't teach us to hate. So, you know, the thing I wanted to cover as far as rejection is concerned, um, it's an ugly thing. You know, we've all experienced it. And you know what it's like to have a friend betray you. You know what it is to have a love of your life turn against you. You know, someone you might have put a lot of stock into and you've done a lot of things for. And then one day that person just up and says, I want nothing to do with you. Now, it's really not that person's fault if they don't want to be with you. But the point is, is we all know what that sting is like. We know what it is to have our kids disrespect us. We know what it is to have our parents or us to disrespect our parents or to do things to people. So it's a very, very ugly thing. And what we're gonna learn is that we can't afford to stay in that place very long because if we're just, you know, going through our pity party and worrying about us and suffering hurt and not recognizing that there's a God that can fix this whole thing. I mean, this is what Jesus Christ came to do. This is what he does is to restore that which is broken and most of us have never tried so we don't know but the point is is that you know we've all suffered rejection we're going to learn that it has greater spiritual consequences than we can possibly imagine and that's where the real ball game gets played because you know you have to wonder how much is it you that's suffering your hurt and how much of the enemy is doing things to you to make you not see the things of god Alright, so this is called The Pain of Social Rejection. This is from the American Psychological Association. The only reason I'm bringing them up, because you know I don't care much for this sort of stuff outside of the Word of God, but they're going to bring up some very key points here that's going to make a lot of sense. But you're going to know at the end of this, they do not get to the core of the problem. Okay, they can only tell you about how you feel. They know what you're feeling, uh, choose better friends, and all this other stuff, but... They don't get to the core of the problem. So I'm going to read a little of this, and then we're going to compare it with scripture, and then we're going to go into another perspective uh, spiritually. But it says, anyone who lived through high school gym class uh, knows the anxiety of being picked last for the dodgeball team. The same hurt feelings (laughs) bubble up when you are excluded from lunch with coworkers fail to land the job you interview for and are dumped by a romantic partner. We all know what that is. So It says rejection feels lousy, yet for many years few psychologists turned into the importance of rejection. It is like the whole field missed uh, this centrally important part of human life, uh, says Mark Leary, PhD. A professor of psychology and neuroscience at Duke University, like that's supposed to be impressive, that changed over the last decade and a half as a growing number of researchers have turned their eyes toward this uncomfortable fact of life. People have realized just how our concern with social acceptance spreads its fingers in uh, almost everything we do, he says. As researchers have dug deeper into the roots of rejection, they found surprising evidence that the pain of being excluded is not so different from the pain of physical injury. Uh, rejection also has serious implications for an individual's psychological uh, state uh, and for society in general. Social rejection can influence emotion, cognition, and even physical health. So, cognition is kind of like seeking that which is um, getting information by some means. You know, so in other words, it can influence that or how you perceive that information Um, and uh, okay, physical health. Ostracized people sometimes become aggressive and can turn to violence. In 2003, Leary and colleagues analyzed 15 cases of school shooters and found all but two suffered from social rejection. Now, you know, you hear about this stuff on the news that this is true, where many of those people... They might have been the geek in the school, everybody picked on, you know, the fat dude in the glasses, everybody picked on in school, you know, everybody knew them. But it's like they went through so much hurt and people picking on them regularly that, you know, eventually these people live with that hurt. They take on dealing with the issue themselves and bitterness sets in. So it says, clearly there are good reasons to better understand the effects of being excluded. Humans have a fundamental need um, to belong just as we have needs for food and water we also have needs for positive and lasting relationships says dr nathan dewall or dewall a phd a psychologist at the university of kentucky this needs this need is deeply rooted in our evolutionary history and has all sorts of consequences for modern psychological Processes Now, again, expunge the whole evolutionary history because you know they're going to try to inject their own belief system trying to overthrow the Bible. So I'm just reading this, but I'm taking it with a grain of salt. The next one is called Pain in the Brain. As clever as human beings are, we rely on social groups for survival. We evolved to live in cooperative societies and for most of human history we we depended on those groups for our lives we hunger or thirst uh, our need for acceptance emerged uh, as a mechanism for survival a solitary human being could not have survived during the six million years of human evolution while we were living out there on the uh, african savannah larry says again Six million years, you know that they've calculated man's existence in the time of the earth is a little over 6,000 years. So, again, I'm going with the biblical worldview. I'm expunging this as far as the six million years. Mm-hmm. It's only to try and debunk the Bible, which, you know, I could go all day about that. So, we'll just keep going. With today's modern conveniences, a person can physically uh, survive a solitary existence but that existence is probably not a happy one. Thanks to millions of years of natural selection, (laughs) uh, being rejected is still painful. That's not just a metaphor. Naomi Eisenberger, PhD of the University of California, Los Angeles, uh, Kipling Williams, PhD in Purdue University and colleagues found that social rejection activates many of the same brain uh, regions involved in physical pain. Now, I'm not denying this for one second that he won't have these pains, but they never get to the source of what this is. Uh, the study rejection inside MRI scanner, uh, the researchers used a technique called cyberball, which uh, Williams designed following his own experience in being suddenly excluded by two Frisbee players in the park. Uh, in cyberball, the subject plays online game an online game. Of catch with two other players eventually the two other players begin throwing the ball only to each other excluding the subject compared with uh, volunteers who continue to be excluded those who are rejected show increased activity in the dorsal anterior cingulate uh, and the um, anterior insula two of the regions that show increased activity in response to brain pain Um, Eisenberger said, as far as your brain is concerned, a broken heart is not so different from a broken arm. I think it's worse, honestly, because, you know, a broken arm will heal regardless of what, but a broken heart can be so open and damaged that you become susceptible to all types of attacks. Even the Bible says itself, a man that doesn't have control over his spirit is like broken down in like a city without walls. So that means that anything could enter into it and and cause damage. Alright, I'm going to skip through some of this. This one's called lashing out. Being on the receiving end of social snub causes a cascade of emotional and cognitive consequences, researchers have found. Social rejection increases anger, anxiety, depression, jealousy and sadness. It reduces performance on difficult intellectual tanks and can also contribute to aggression and poor impulse control. As DeWall explained in his recent review, Current Directions and um, Physiological Science in 2011, um, physically too, rejection takes a toll. People who routinely feel excluded have poorer sleep quality and their immune systems don't function as well as those uh, of people with strong social connections. Okay, I'm going to skip down to this. This is on social pain relief. Okay, this is social pain relief, and then we're going to move on. But this is their solution to all this trauma that's going on in the world. We're going to go right into scripture from here, but it says, It may take time to heal from a bad breakup or being fired, but most people eventually get over the pain and hurt feelings of rejection. When people are chronically rejected or excluded, However, the results may be severe depression, substance abuse, or suicide are not uncommon responses. Long-term ostracism uh, seems to be very devastating. Uh, In that case, uh, psychologists can help people uh, talk through their feelings of exclusion, Uh, DeWall says. A lot of times, these are things people don't want to talk about, he says and because rejected people may adopt behaviors such as aggression that serve to uh, further isolate them, psychologists can also uh, help people to act in ways that are more likely uh, to bring them social success. Now, you really think by reading so far that social success is solving the problem. Does anybody here even believe that, that that's the real issue behind pain and trauma is having everyone like you? Mm. We've all been in circles where we've been quite popular, and guess what? Trouble still remains. Okay, so uh, the pain of non chronic uh, rejection may be easier to alleviate, despite what an MRI scanner says. However, popping two Tylenols probably isn't the most effective way to deal with a painful episode of rejection. Instead, research, researchers say. The rejected should seek out healthy, positive connections with friends and family. That recommendation squares with a neural evidence that shows positive uh, social um, interactions release, uh, I guess, opioids, whatever that is, uh, for a natural mood. I guess it's like endorphins, uh, mood boost. Uh, Eisenberger says other activities uh, that produce Opioids. I should just say, you know, <laughs> all right. Opioids naturally, such as um, exercise might also help ease the sore feeling that comes with rejection. Putting things into perspective also helps. Larry says true rejection can sometimes be a clue that you behave badly and should change your ways. But frequently we take rejection more personally than we should. Very often we have That one rejection, maybe we didn't get hired for the job we really wanted, and it makes us feel just lousy about capabilities of ourselves in general. Uh, Larry says, I think if people could stop over-analyzing or over-generalizing, it would uh, take a lot of uh, angst out of us. Next time you get passed over for a job or dumped by a romantic partner, it may help to know that the sting of rejection has a purpose. That knowledge may take you away, that may take away, May not take away the pain, but at least you know there is a reason for the heartache, evolutionarily speaking. If you're socially isolated, you're going to die. Uh, William says it's important to be able to feel that pain. And that is his solution to dealing with pain. Pick better friends, roll in better circles, recognize that it's supposed to, excuse me, that it's supposed to happen, and that's the end of it. So this is what a psychologist comes up with. Let's go to Isaiah 61 real quick. We're going to talk about why Jesus came. We're going to get into a few scriptures, and then we're going to hear what I think is a more complete uh, thing concerning rejection. I mean, yeah, everyone knows what this is like. I remember I had a girlfriend what, 6th grade? The name was Shamika Scrub. <laughs> Shamika Scrub was her name, but she took all my money, all my candy, everything like that. When it came down to um, the prom, you know, I asked her, and she was like, well, you know, someone else has asked me, I don't really see you like that, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, geez, after... I don't know how many sour powers or whatever they had back then, you know, I gave up. I thought we were supposed to be. But she hurt me with that, and you know, if I ever see her, no, I'm just joking. No, but it's cool. But, you know, everyone knows what that's like. And I remember right after that kind of being worried about dating someone else because I felt like it would happen again. And I think the first time you ever fall for somebody, you really do care for that person deeply. I mean, from a kid just being sincere, you can see yourself marrying that person, even though that's 20 years down the road. But once you get hurt, there's almost like this exterior that comes up that you have to break through in order to trust like that again. Because some people get rejected so often that their mindset is like, yeah, I knew it, you know, whatever, you know, yeah, I knew they were going to leave. And that's how they deal with their hurt. So they never put a lot in it, is there? Yeah, and
1: if the pain's not dealt with, you know... I know I've done this before, but everyone you're dating after that or the relationship after that, it just seems like any mistake they make, you compare it to the person that hurt you. And so it's like they can't do anything oh, yeah. right in your eyes. And it's just like, so if it's not brought down, then it's like, not only do you get hurt, but then you start putting that hurt on other people.
0: Yeah, and I mean, rejection itself is why people join gangs. You never heard people say, my family didn't want me, so this is my family now. So you'll even accept, Uh, you know, groups of people that don't even have your best interest at heart. But before the sense of belonging and being rejected, you want to join in with this group. Mm -hmm. I'm here to tell you, it's better to be by yourself and learn the truth than it is to mingle with others, you know, that are up to no good. All right, Isaiah 61 and 1, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed uh, me to preach good tidings unto the meek, he hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison uh, to them that are bound. So this is why Jesus came. This is a 700-year old prophecy before the coming of Jesus to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes and oil for joy for mourning are the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness now i mean well implanting of the lord that he might be glorified so that was for the coming of christ but notice here they mention a spirit of heaviness in the world this would be called the spirit of what depression he's going through depression you know he's depressed that's why he doesn't want to work that's why all this stuff is happening. But the Bible refers to it as a literal spirit. So this is what Jesus came for—to bind the brokenhearted, to um, set the captives free, pretty much. Because you know, in this world, when you're not sure what's attacking your feelings, I mean, it, it binds you. Let's go to Luke four and um, Luke four and thirteen. And I tell you what, women have a better <laughs> women have a better survival mechanism than men. From what I've seen, a lot of the times when women go through breakups, they'll always take the time to try and get themselves together. It's like you guys go through a hibernation process or what, but you know, you heal, you get better, and then you move on. Where men, you know, they tend to load mess on top of mess. Know that they're hurt, but because of their pride, they won't say anything about it. So what's the solution? I've got to find another girlfriend. (laughs) You'll bring that same old garbage over to that relationship, mess that one up. Then you want to move on and get with somebody else and then bring more strife to your life. So, you know, it does take to release ourselves from pride get moved on, and really be healed before we deal with things. But most of us never go through that process and the only one that can is Jesus Christ. you I get a Bible for Kim? back right there. I'm sure there's another one. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad you made it. I thought it was the cops kicking in the door for a minute. <laughs> 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 Just kidding. Oh one of the Cambridge ones that worked. Alright. Oh, your phone? need your phone. There's okay, there. keep going. I'll get to it. All right. <laughs> all right, so um, we'll go to Luke 4 and 13. And it says, uh, And when the devil had ended uh, all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Now, you know, this is when the devil tempted Jesus, and Jesus overcame it. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit in Galilee, and there went out, a fame of him through all the regions round about why because he was doing something that was actually working that people were paying attention to they had never seen this before and he taught all in their synagogues being glorified if all and he came to nazareth uh, where he had been brought up and as his custom was uh, he went into the synagogue on the sabbath day and stood up uh, for to read and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now we just read that, but Jesus is going to fulfill it right here. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed, uh, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind." and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So we go through this slowly. Now, one, it says preach the gospel to the poor. Now, some people would say, well, what emphasis would it have on the poor than it does on the rich? Jesus said, you know, where your treasures are, there will your heart be also. So, I mean, let's face it. Some of us will never be rich. Now, I know the world will say, well, that's because you don't want it. You know, but the fact of the matter is, There are some that in this life they'll never be rich, but what comfort do they have? The Lord will supply their needs daily. They'll have peace that will surpass all understanding, okay, whether times are good or bad. And then, you know, the fact that they know that there's something laid up for them in eternal life, a treasure in heaven. Because the eternal world, we already know, is the invisible world where things are really going to conclude. Okay, so, and then he says, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I mean, you know, that's just something there in itself. We've all been hurt. We've been through that. We know what that sort of thing is about. Many of us have never allowed ourselves to be hurt. So we develop a rough exterior. We live our lives and we set borders. Okay, I'll allow someone in if they're like this. If they're like this, I'll keep them out if they don't meet certain requirements on level two then I'll have to push them back to level three. You see how crazy all that is? But this is what we decide to govern in our lives thinking that we're protecting our hearts but you know you can't live that way forever two things are going to happen to you. One, you're going to eventually trust and possibly get hurt again because everyone's looking at you like this person's weird you know they're too guarded or what you're going to do is you know, be so rough that you'll spend the rest of your life alone. Okay, so either way, that's not a good situation to deal with it. You want to be made over, built over, cleaned out, and proceed further. So this is what Jesus came to do, to preach deliverance to the captives. Now, this doesn't just mean captive in jail. I mean, this can be captive in your mind. What greater prison can the, is there that the mind can put on you, thinking that nobody likes you? I know people, man, they'll they'll complain about everything they do wherever you take them. You know, you go into a a place for breakfast, and everybody else's food was good, but, you know, the cookies were stale for them, and, you know, everything was bad. You know, and they got to complain about it. So, you know, you want to be set free in your mind to know, judge every situation righteously because you have been made right. Sometimes it's not so, so much so that we didn't meet the right people, But the Lord had work to do with us to make us right, you know, for the right person. Because we all think about me, me, me. God send me somebody. Let me meet someone good. But if you're still hanging on to that same old garbage from your past, imagine what you're going to bring to this person that doesn't even deserve it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we want to be made over. We want to be changed. And we want to be right in order to receive the things of God. And recovering sight to the blind and set at liberty them that are bruised. I mean, you know, like the Bible says, a wounded spirit, who can bear? It's one thing to be physically wounded, but when your spirit is born, I mean, this is what leads people to depression, which eventually leads to despair, and then the next stage is suicide. And, you know, I'm telling everybody that's ever had thoughts about that to pray that out because that's a spirit. That's not a state of being. When a person decides to take their own lives. Much of it has to do with that feeling of hopelessness. There's no one here for me. There's no one that loves me. You know, people have told me when I brought my life to Jesus that everything would be perfect. And because I find out that that didn't happen, now I'm going to kill myself. So you want a very realistic view of knowing God. You want to know that the moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, You've got one, a friend for life. You've got a Lord that loves you forever. And in any time of need and all that you're going through, He's going to be there for you. But if I told you that you wouldn't have trials and tribulations and you wouldn't be hurt and things wouldn't happen to you, I'd be lying to you because along with all this struggling is where the rebirth and the reformatting takes place. So where we can be built over in Christ. It's just like the butterfly. One guy told me a story. I don't know if he heard it from someone else. But he said one day he was going on a nature trip, a hike, and he um, saw a chrysalis taking place. You guys know what that is, with the the caterpillar, you know, in the uh, cocoon. And, you know, the butterfly, well, at this point it was a butterfly, but it was working its way out of the cocoon. And the guy thought, man, you know, he's really struggling, so he thought he'd help. So he took a piece of, um, you know, a twig and ripped open the cocoon. The butterfly fell out and it flapped around for a while and it died. But what he didn't realize was that struggle that it took to get out of that cocoon is what gives the butterfly its, uh, its strength to be able to fly the rest of its days. So there are no shortcuts in life. All right, No one is here by accident. At the time you hear of Jesus Christ, you'd be smart to take that deal because everything that you've ever done in your life was only getting you ready for this stage here. And I mean, this is the best deal going around to have a God that loves you, that can take away all your pain, all your hurt, restore you to wholeness, and send you back out in the world with value that the world tried to take from you. Because let's face it, in this world, you have to be like the world in order to be appreciated. You know, be like Beyonce, you got to get on stage and hunch like what Gary Price said, a great dang dog. You got to hunch and twerk dance and do all of this just to be accepted. But Barbara Streisand, when she sang back in the day, you know, she sang because she was a vocalist, so she was appreciated. And now you got to strip down naked in order to get on stage to be recognized. So the more devalued, the more depreciated you are, the more this world lifts you up. Okay? And, you know, anyone can ask questions at any time what we'll go into, but... um, All right, so uh, verse 16, I think I am, and it says and he came to nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the sabbath day and stood up for to read and there was delivered unto him the book of Isaiah, the prophet and when he had opened the book he found the place where it was written the spirit of the lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives And recovering the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he uh, gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. You know, And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. So we just read that, but this is Jesus fulfilling it, okay? And the reason why we need Jesus to deal with all of this stuff is because it's more spiritual than it ever had to do with anything physical. It may have physical effects on you when we go into the type of um, the four types of demonic influence. You know, one is depression. That's when things happen outside of the body. You get these weird thoughts. You get people telling you stuff. You know, you get these feelings of, you know, yeah, why don't I just do it? You know, who cares? So it's kind of like that outside pressure, okay? That's like, you know, the attacks that are occurring outside of you. When you engage in sin and you go into the uh, flesh, that would be obsession. That means you're partaking in the sin. That means that, you know, you might start to enjoy it and you figure, why don't I do it again and again and again? Okay, so that's demons residing in the flesh. That's where they're attacking the flesh. When you get to the soul... That is your mind, your will, and your emotions, where demons are now, you know, you get to the stage of oppression, where now the demons have got you. The sin itself has got you so bad that you can't stop. You're hooked on it. It becomes a way of life for you, and you cry out for deliverance, you know, how can I get through with this? And then when you get to level four, which is uh, possession, you know, that's demons residing in the spirit, a Christian can't get to that level unless they allow themselves to go that way. But that would mean like utter ownership. Your thoughts are no longer yours. The enemy is dictating all that which you do. So you want to be made whole in Jesus Christ because he's the only one that can deal with the spiritual realm that uh, we deal with. Okay, so if anyone has anything else to add before we get deep into it, I want to read one other thing. Now, we already read what the psychologists have said which to me really didn't amount to much. They didn't tell us anything that we didn't know or we haven't heard. But this uh, stage here is called the demon of rejection. All right, when I look this up, I mean, I was kind of blown away by it, but you guys listen to this. I want to talk tonight about a very specific demon. The specific demon I want to talk about tonight, most of you reading this uh, never knew uh, he even existed. Not only is he real, he is a huge, huge, major weapon that Satan uses against us Christian people. Satan using this type of demon and attacking Christians all over the world. This is a major, major player of Satan's, uh, of Satan's a major weapon. A very large amount of Christians all over the world have this specific demon living in them. Alright, uh, we already gave the name, the Demon of Rejection. Nice little ugly picture they wanted to animate, but I'm not sure he looks like that, but that's what they wanted to put up. You said 97%? Is, uh, what did he say? 97% of what? You
1: said
0: it was living within the upper of
1: Christians.
0: Um, I think it says the majority. Very large, oh, it says a very large amount of Christians all over the world have this specific demon living inside of them. All they call the demon of rejection. Now I can't even find my place. And I'll tell you what, I think that this was very important because I went over to Office Depot to have this printed out. Don't you know that everything that I asked to be printed out was printed out except this? Hmm. They could not put it on desktop. Something was wrong. So I remember that you could put it on a word, you know, and have it sent through. And I had to do it that way. But they, for some reason, their computer would not get this to go. Hmm. So that's when I was like, yeah, this is probably important. (laughs) 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 So it says, yes, yes, children of God, this demon is real. And many, many, I don't know why this person likes repeating himself, but many, many of us have, have him living inside us. The demon of rejection is a major end-time player for Satan's kingdom. Not only is he being used big time by Satan, but the demon of rejection is also a root-type demon. The root demon is a type of demon spirit that can enter a person first, Or in other words, this demon will enter you uh, first and entrench himself uh, real deep into your heart and soul and mind. We just covered that. Uh, Once the demon of rejection enters you, besides him tormenting you day and night, now one of his main goals is to get the doors open inside of you for more of his demon brothers to enter you. All right, now a quick point here to bring some understanding. Um, psychologists will even tell you that anger itself is not um, primary respo- um emotion it 's usually led on by you know um, hurt, sadness, or fear, which brings out anger. Anger never just comes out. you know women are usually more honest with this sort of thing when you ask a woman how she feels someone may say, "Hey, I bet you are angry, and the woman will say it's almost like they go through stages of Well, first I was sad. Then I was scared. You know, then when I thought about what he really did to me, I got angry. Okay, so that's what they mean by it's a root-type demon because if you suffer enough rejection, you know, again, they talked about aggression and other things coming out of it, that it opens the door to more influence in your life. All right. um, uh, He will try to get the doors open and so many Uh, of his other spirit friends can also torment you uh, by living inside of you or all around you. Uh, We have to take the demon of rejection seriously. He is extremely dangerous to us children of God. Many times the demon of rejection will enter us when our parents reject us or when our brothers and sisters reject us. Other times the demon of rejection will enter us when our boss rejects us or coworkers reject us or when we get rejected for a promotion. Quite often, the demon of rejection will enter us when a person of the opposite sex rejects us when we try to say hello to them. Other times, the demon of rejection will enter us when we get bad news or when we get terrible disappointments coming into our lives. The demon of rejection is very subtle, or he can be subtle quite often. Oftentimes, he attacks when, um, a very in, with a very in-your-face attack. Um, You know, Derek Prince told the story of a guy in New York, a gangster named Nicky Cruz in the 50s. When he was a kid, he was walking with his mom one day, and his mother told him, um, well, he was walking with her, and someone that knew them said to him, or said to his mother, you know, your son Nicky looks just like you. And for whatever reason, his mother wasn't really interested. She was kind of like... You think so? Yeah, I don't think so. You know, like that. And said goodbye to the person. They walk off. And he said that wounded um, Nikki Cruz because he felt like his mother didn't care for him. Now, I know even something that small sounds ridiculous. But if you think about it, you know, certain things like that can happen even in relationships. So he went upstairs. He cried, you know, whatever, for a half hour, I think. He came back down and told his mother. He said, Mom, I hate you. And he hated his mother from that point on. He began to use drugs. He joined a gang, you know, in New York, popular Spanish gang. Um, And he was like, you know, a rebel. I mean, hurting people, doing things to people. And it was a guy, David Wilkerson, that came to him, ministered to him about the Lord, changed his life. Nikki Cruz found the Lord and began to minister to people. But the Lord made clear to Nikki Cruz, you've got to do something before we go further. He had to go all the way back to Puerto Rico to see his mom and to apologize to her for what he said and the way he felt against her. And from that point on, you know, things were taken out of his life and the spirit of rejection couldn't control him because he had no more malice towards anyone. All right, so I just wanted to bring that up, but um, I'll read a little bit more of this and we'll get into the scriptures. But it says, Sometimes he can be so subtle we have no idea he is living with us and have no clue unto God until God starts to reveal to us his attacks and the way he is tormenting us. Some of the ways demons re- attack us is, are the following uh, he, will, he will make us feel, first of all, very rejected. He will start to tell us that nobody wants you, nobody loves you. Nobody wants to be friends with you. The demon of rejection will torment you to make you believe that nobody in your church likes you, that even your pastor rejects you. And the truth is, most of it are all lies. The demon of rejection will tell you that you will never ever meet a Christian man or woman who will love you and want to marry you. The demon of rejection will tell you that God cannot use you, that nobody on earth loves you, that nobody wants to be around you. This attack is huge. Christians all over the world are experiencing these forms of tormenting being done to them from the demon of rejection. The demon of rejection will push you to think that your bosses at work do not want you, uh, that you're always close to being fired at all times. A demon of fear, worry, or anxiety also does this kind of tormenting too, as far as making us believe we might lose our job at any moment now it gets even worse this guy is going on and on now the demon of rejection will start to work on you uh, with harder telling telling you that jesus does not love you the demon of rejection will point out to you all of your unanswered prayers all of your disappointments all of the bad things that keep happening in your life this demon of rejection is so wicked he will not stop there now we know that um You know, a lot of the times the enemy will tell you things like this, that you won't be able to, um, you know, no one wants you, no one wants to be with you. And, you know, again, like I said, the way Hollywood tries to use people, they'll always blame God or put something on God to make you, to enforce that demon of rejection. You know, there's some movies you watch and someone dies and then you'll hear, you know, people say, why is this what you want they're yelling at god and everyone is "Mm -hmm, i feel the exact same way so it's just trying to enforce that rejection in you to make you think yeah you know what this is true so you know we have to go according to what the lord says let's go to uh, first peter three that's at the back of the bible before revelation First well, Peter 3, we'll start at verse 11 because they just said that the demon of rejection will point out why all of your prayers are unanswered and all these things are going on. So we're going to get a biblical perspective even showing why such a thing may happen, and it's not because God doesn't love you. Alright, right, First Peter 3 and 11. Everyone almost there? You see red. You're like, well, uh, let's see. 'Cause that's like Jesus. First <laughs> right, Peter three. I think it's one of those three and twelve. Is it there? Yeah. Oh, all right. All right, first Peter three twelve, it says, Let him askew evil, like do away with evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So this is one area where I would agree with psychologists when they said maybe if certain things are not going right, there may be something that you want to examine with yourself. This is one thing that I agree on because it's not that the Lord doesn't want to answer prayers, but if God is holy, he can't be associated or compatible with that which is unholy. So, what he's saying is just stop doing certain things, do certain things right, excuse me, and your prayers will be answered. Like with Cain and Abel, Cain was a rejected spirit. You know, Cain felt because his offer wasn't accepted and Abel's offer was accepted because Abel gave the Lord what he asked for. Cain gave the Lord what he thought he should give him. So, when his offer was rejected, you know, the Lord asked him, Cain, why are you wroth? Why are you upset? You know, he said, if you do well, will you not be accepted? So you will be accepted if you do what's right. So, you know, if people want to say or, you know, they're dealing with rejection and they feel like my prayers are not being answered. So maybe I have this spirit that may be. But the only reason why God would not answer a prayer is because that prayer itself needs to be sanctified. You need to ask correctly. Your heart needs to be right. You need to repent of things that you have done. And if you seek the Lord, he will show you the things in your life that you need to change. You know, it's not hard. All right, so it says, and when you try to read the Bible, this demon will point out certain scriptures to you, trying to manipulate you into thinking God rejects you, or that God has stopped loving you, or that God does not want anything to do with you anymore. This demon of rejection will now open doors for his friends. The demon of sadness, loneliness, depression, despair, dread, worthlessness, hopelessness, etc. etc. to enter into you and start tormenting you too. As you listen to the lies of this demon of rejection, now you will be tormented more and more by those other demonic spirits and all hell will be raining down in your life and you never ever knew what started it all. You know, a lot of that can come with, too, you know, drug abuse, you know, things like that that go on because you want to escape reality instead of confronting this thing or knowing what it is that's really plaguing you. Remember, children of God, the demon of rejection is a root demon. We must take him very seriously in our day-to-day spiritual warfare battles. The demon of rejection can often work very, very closely with the demon of condemnation or uh, the demon of, I don't know, maybe it didn't get added on, but it just says, um, oh, self condemnation down here at the bottom. So um, from here, I want to get into a little of the word. We'll get back to this. But I tend to value this opinion in the spirit more than what the psychologists have said because of the simple fact that, one, Jesus speaks about it, you know, and I take his word as the overall authority. And, um, you know, it makes more sense that we have a real enemy. How can bad things just happen to you without there being a source to it? Mm-hmm. It just comes because you decided to do something? I mean, that's ridiculous. Let's go to Luke 11. Let's uh, back toward the um, Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm going to prove that this is scripture because I don't want anybody sending me any crazy emails about how can you read that and it has nothing to do with the Bible. So we're going to prove here that it does. All right, Luke 11 and... Let's see. Oh, I'm in the wrong place. I'm looking for Luke and Mark. Never find it there. All right, we'll start from Luke 11 and 21. We once did a teaching on the strong man, so this is kind of like a recap. But you know, the same principles applied to what we just read are going to be here in the scriptures. So it's Luke 11 and verse 21. Andrew yeah. guys almost all right. Luke 11 and verse 21 all right and it says when a strong man armed keepeth his palace his goods are in peace but when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. So if you're not on the Lord's side, the only other alternative is you're on Satan's side, know it or not. Now listen to what he says about the strong man. Like, uh, if they're, like Let's just say the demon of rejection, they say it's a root demon here. So the demon of rejection would be the strong man. It would be the core behind all the other things that bother you in life. Now, in order to deal with the other demons, you first have to confront this demon because it needs to be plucked up by the roots. So that's why he says that, you know, once you bind the strong man, then you can go into the house and take whatever. All right, so it says, verse 24, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. So just imagine yourselves, you might have come here or you might have read the Bible in your own time. You may have heard the truth in God or certain things that were bad. And from that moment on, you begin to stop doing it. So the demons have no other way to really access you other than to leave because you're not giving them a way in. So imagine the demon itself, you know, walking around in dry places, looking for a warm, wet body to go into, because the Bible says that, you know, they walk around in dry places. So they seek to dwell, in dwell man, by catching us and doing the wrong things. So imagine he leaves, like, man, I just got kicked out. I don't even know what to do now. I'll just walk around. I can't find any other host to enter. So let me go back and check on that house that I, that I left and see what it's like. So they come back, not only are you this time doing drugs, but you're gambling, robbing, and doing everything else. So now this demon says, okay, they're no longer protected by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not protecting this house. So what am I going to do? I'm going back into that house because there's nothing to stop me. And I'm taking seven other spirits more wicked than myself to go into that person. And the later state of the person is worse than the first. Why? Because when you look at it, I'll just read that so you guys won't think I'm crazy. And it says in verse 26, Then goeth he and taketh to, to him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in, and dwell there, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. So he's talking about if you were to go back into sin that you stopped doing, chances are you've opened yourself up for more demons to come in because that demon is no longer going to be kicked out by the things he was kicked out by before. said, okay, you kicked me out. I learned my lesson this time. I'm calling in more wicked demons. You know, we've done a full study on demons too so you can know about their personalities, things that they do. Some are more wicked than others. Some like to curse and just entertain people with filthy stuff at comedy clubs. Others like to go and murder and rob and rape. Okay, there are different levels of demons on different levels. Okay, so um, this is what he's talking about being indwelt. And from here, um, let's go to Hebrews. uh, Let's go to Hebrews 4. That's towards the back of the book again. We're going to get into why exactly Jesus can deal with these sort of things. We're going to go into his examples. We're going to make a lot of things clear and why we should trust him. Anyone have any questions? Anybody want to add anything? Anything I said that no one understands, you guys can ask.
1: I mean, it's it's just important that we do have an understanding of this because it has plagued the world at large and it's plagued so many Christian churches and if the churches were, if the pastors were speaking about this spirit, I think there would be a lot more healing that would go on and people would understand that even as a Christian, you can feel this spirit. And it has to be brought out of you because if it doesn't then you're 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 gonna get oppressed, you're gonna get depressed, and it's not medication that heals you, it's only Jesus Christ that can heal that in your life.
0: Yeah, because rejection will make a fool out of you. I mean to me there's nothing worse than you know, you go on Facebook or whatever and like I said, you got girls behind turned towards the camera and their lips pooched out like Donald Duck looking for validation. There's nothing worse than a girl needing validation from some bum to say you look good or you know, sexy, gorgeous, you know, when they're there, and their lips all, you know, and they're like, you see a stink toilet in the back of the picture and everything else. I mean, it's like, they forgot to blush. exactly, you know, you just want to be whole. You want to be made whole that you don't have to do these things to be seen or to be accepted. Mm-hmm. All right, it says, uh, Hebrews 4 and 1, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of, I mean, left us of entering... Into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed uh, do enter into rest, uh, as he said. Uh, As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he spake in a certain place in the seventh day on this wife, um, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was uh, first preached, Entered not in because of unbelief. So what I'm saying is right now, you guys have heard about you know the demon of rejection. Whether you choose to believe it or not is on you. I think if you do believe it, it's going to have some benefits because we're not done with discussing that. But in order to know what you're dealing with, so you can overcome it in Christ. But the Lord here is speaking about going into his rest. So I mean he's talking about a place where no matter what, you've got him that you don't have to worry about things as a worldly person would. Why would you want to pass that up and have your mind in torment trying to figure out things, you know, that are happening to you instead of accepting him, letting him deal with your issues, and making you whole? So that's what it means as far as the rest. Verse 7, again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, today after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. So the Bible here is telling us, don't harden your hearts to the truth in Jesus Christ. Accept him. When people ask the question, why Pharaoh? They'll say, why did Pharaoh, um, the Lord harden Pharaoh's heart? Why would the Lord play games like that and do that to Pharaoh in order to destroy him? You got to understand; it has more to do with exposure to God than it has to do with Pharaoh himself being hard. A quick example: now, if you're a Christian, or if you put heat to butter, butter will melt. Okay. If you put heat to clay, what's going to happen? It gets hard. Boy. It'll get hard. So that'll tell you there that if a person is hard on the inside, exposure to God is only going to bring about that which is. So it wasn't that God made Pharaoh's heart hard. God exposed himself with the truth to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh became hard. Okay, because what's in you is going to come out. If God is really your God, and you hear the truth in God, man, you're going to humble your vessel to him. He said, if you fall on me, you'll be broken, which means he can work with you, fix you, and fill you. But if he falls on you, you'll be grinded into powder. So why would you even want to do that? Why not just yield to him, get your life right, And let him work with you. So does everybody understand about the hardness of hearts and what that means as far as exposure? Uh, For if Jesus had given them rest, and um, would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, uh, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. So when you enter into God's rest, there's nothing better in your life than saying, okay, Lord, I am but a child. I don't understand life. I heard some truth about you. I'm not sure, but I'm willing to believe, okay, take the wheel and drive. Because the last time I drove, I went off a cliff. Last time I drove, I didn't have enough money for gas. I ended up stranded. You know, last time I drove, I was thrown on the side of the road and someone took my car. You want to be able to have the Lord control what's going on and you sit back and rest. That doesn't mean do absolutely nothing. But just to be humble before the Lord, I don't understand this. I thought I knew a lot of things. I was educated in college. I had this, I had that. But there's still some things that aren't right with me that need to be fixed. The Lord is only going to come to those who want him. He is not going to try and be a friend to someone that doesn't want him. You know, he'll advise you to come in if you choose not to. The Lord gave us all a free will to work through. He will not force you to come to him, but it will be a disservice to you if you choose not to. Mm -hmm. All right, um, verse 10. For he that has entered into his rest, he has also uh, hath ceased from his works as God did from his... Uh, let us labor therefore, to enter in that rest. Uh, let any man fall after he after uh, the same example of unbelief. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and um, of the joints and marrow, and is it a dis- <laughs> and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So what you want is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to cut through all those things that are unrighteous in you to make you whole, to be Spirit-led, not led by your soul. When you're led by your soul, you're led by your feelings. That is a place that the enemy can play, putting doubt, unbelief, rejection, everything else into your life. If your feelings are governed by God, then he's going to make them right where you can't be tricked into your feelings. a a short example of that is um, talking about something in here that somebody you may know is doing and because of the fact that you don't want to address that you know because you have a, a personal attachment to someone who may be gay or who's this or who's that see automatically you reject the gospel why because you're led by your feelings you're not seeing if God is saying what he said is right you're not even going to consider it because your feelings are governed by you I don't like the sound of that. I feel like God should accept everybody. So what are you doing? You're creating God in your image. You're not reading the God of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So those feelings will come from your emotions and things that you deal with, which will build strongholds, which will not allow the truth of God to get in. Rejection loves to play in this arena. So the word of of God is a discerner because it opens the heart. It separates the heart from the flesh. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him uh, with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. So you understand this? Jesus knows exactly how you feel. Why? He wore this stinking flesh for 33 years. Okay? He knows what you've been tempted with. He knows what you suffered with. He knew what it was to be rejected as he laid up on that cross, stripped down naked, spat on, beaten, I mean mangled, all these things done to him. And all he came was to deliver man. And he was rejected by his own. So you don't think that the God of heaven understands rejection? Think about it. His name is hated today by the world. To identify with Jesus Christ is to be rejected. Mm-hmm. So this is why the Lord wants to make you whole, so that way you won't have to consider the things that, or the standards that the world wants to place you. You will be made whole in Christ, so you can care less what the world thinks about you. Yeah, you think I'm stupid for believing? Well, hey, I wish you the best. But knowing the reality of your God makes the difference. So Jesus suffered every infirmity we did. But was in all points tempted like as we were as we are yet without sin let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that he may obtain that we may obtain mercy and find grace to him in time of need don't wait to find out or get yourselves in a jam to call on the lord know the lord and he'll prevent you from getting into a lot of troubles in your life Because, I mean, when you hear about all the disease and things that are going on, you know, let's be real. Let's take it back to when we were all sinners. You don't know who you slept with in a club that had HIV or AIDS, and the Lord didn't let you get it. Because you were drunk and stupid that night that you went out and had a good time, but you didn't even know this person is HIV positive. A guy may have turned down your number, or a girl turned down your number, didn't even want anything to do with you, but had she taken your number, that could have been 10 years of hell. All right? Because you didn't know in your drunken stupor that this person was crazy. (laughs) But, you know, you're looking at how good she looks or he looks, and, yeah, I think that's what I want. You know crazy people. I don't care how crazy she is. I'm going to get some of that. See, that's a street mind. But the fact of the matter is, how much hurt have we all suffered opening the door, opening chapters in our lives that we didn't even need to be there. But because we've opened that door and we've lived it, man, we suffered. It was like, man, I would have been lucky having this person pass me by. So you don't know the day-to-day battle that the Lord goes through keeping you until you come to the truth. The fact that we're all here is miraculous intervention by God. Why? The Jesus said that the thief comes for three reasons, which is Satan. To steal to kill and to destroy every day the devil is trying to kill you let that be a news flash to everyone the fact that you're here the fact that you don't understand the day-to-day grind where that you know people are just telling you things or you forget something in the house you keep coming back and then you go off to work you think that's an accident you might have just missed something that was coming your way so let's not take this life for granted because life itself is a bubble on water okay it's a bubble on water. It is so easy to lose your life behind foolishness. So why? what is one good reason to trust Jesus? He, you know, he lived as we did. He was not the God that just said, you know, believe in me. I'm not going to show myself to you, but do everything I command you. He, he suffered everything that you suffered. So he's not foreign to us in that sense. Let's go to um, Isaiah 53. You know, we've done it our way for so long maybe we should try it his way what have we got to lose <laughs> i mean we all had the perfect plan life would be sweet right mm-hmm. and you know for some people who say well you can believe what you want i'm going to be a star i'm going to do this and that hey if that's what you want then so be it i'm not speaking against it but you ask yourselves this what is it about an athlete that works his skills to perfection all his life and then go and get hooked on drugs Okay, and then he dies in some weird, crazy accident. You think it's all it's cracked up to be? You think having money and success is going to take away the spirit of rejection? Are you kidding? Do you know what those people do when they come out of Hollywood and no one's calling your name? No one's chanting you? You're not that beautiful princess you used to be. Now you got cellulite and everything hanging in different places and all this going on. And nobody, you remember when you walked that runway and you're no longer that person? Now, I got to go down to Panama and get my butt fixed. Now, I got to get it pumped with helium. Now, I got to do this and that just to be made over. You got to ask some of these people is anything on you real? I mean, everything is just used, you know? I mean, something from the hardware store. But this is something that people will go through just trying to not suffer rejection. And it'll be so easy to grow in grace, accept the Lord, let Him work out problems in your life. But you ask yourself why these Hollywood stars are dropping like flies. That life, if you man, you guys need to look it up. The stuff that you have to do to get a record deal. They don't tell you most of those rappers got to be sodomized. I'm not trying to be graphic. I'm being up front. They don't tell you how many of those guys got to get bent over a desk to get a record deal. This is the real world. Okay, this is what really happens in the real world. They don't tell you about that, what you got to do, and if you decide not to go through with signing with them, they already recorded you being done like that the night before, so they'll just put it out. You want to know why there's so many one-hit wonders in the world? Those people found out the truth and decided to back out of it. It wasn't because they didn't have the goods. That's why you can have people today that can't sing, but they stay in the industry. Mm -hmm. How do you get a record deal and you can't sing? You know? Isaiah 53, verse 1, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, this is about Jesus Christ, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So, you know, the Bible makes very clear Jesus was ugly. Alright, he was very unattractive. You probably wouldn't want to look at him again. Alright, verse three. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and he esteemed and we esteemed him not. So anytime you gotta hide your face from a person, that ought to tell you what how unattractive he was. I mean that's just the truth. Now he's probably so beautiful, you know, you drop dead, maybe. But the point is, is this is how he walked around in the flesh.
1: Sure. I have a question. Yeah. Um, the First time you read this, about, um, one of our studies, I always thought it was because of how much he was bold with the truth and everything he said. A lot of people were offended that he wasn't. Oh, no. So it's physically.
0: He was unattractive. The truth and everything sure came later, but he was not a good looking man. You know, the Bible describes Satan as being beautiful, you know. And isn't it funny how some of the most evil people are the most good looking? Mm -hmm. That spirit of vanity, feeling great about yourself, you know. Some of those people are not some of the nicest, but no, he was very unattractive. That's what it meant. I mean, hey, you know, let's be real. Lord knows I'm not insulting him. I'm only reading the scripture. But there was nothing about him to be desired. You know, there would have been nothing like, oh, he's tall, or he's old. He probably didn't speak that well. I'm not trying to be funny. You know, if you look up his history, he was from the ghettos. Bethlehem is a ghetto. A lot of people don't know that. But anyway, surely he have borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities; the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with him stripes were. I mean, and oh, okay. and with his stripes we were healed. Man, if you ever seen that movie, The Passion of the Christ, they probably did Jesus a justice by showing you that. I believe his real crucifixion was even worse. I believe you wouldn't have even been able to fathom seeing that and on live screen what really happened to him mm-hmm. all we like sheep uh, have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way and the lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all uh, he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth uh, he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb so he opened not his mouth he was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare excuse me, his generation? For he was cut out of the land of the living, meaning he was murdered. For our transgression um, of my people he was stricken, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him so the father, it pleased the father to bruise his own son that word for bruise means crushed okay Um, uh, he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand so you know, speaking of being rejected imagine coming into a world to deliver people that don't want you Yet you know you have to obey your father and take whatever bruising is necessary to free a people that don't even want you. You don't think he knew what rejection was? I mean, he suffered it in a way that you wouldn't believe. Imagine being God, being able to just call 12 legions of angels, the Bible says. That would have been like 12,000 plus angels he could have called to end his suffering. But he stayed with it because he thought of you and me. You know, it's like, why wouldn't you want to follow someone that's been through what you have? And I know they're trying to tell people now, well, we don't even know if Jesus existed. You know, there's more evidence to support Jesus existed than there is to support Julius Caesar existed. But they'll keep it from you. They don't tell people the truth concerning that. Um, Let's go to Matthew 26 and uh, 36. this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane you know when the Bible says that he um, sweated like there was great drops of blood people don't know that's a real condition I actually found it because I wanted to present it one time before, and it's called, uh, hopefully I don't butcher this one, hematohidrosis, hematohidrosis. That's the name of the condition. It says, although this medical condition is relatively rare, according to Dr. Frederick Zogby, um, chief medical examiner in Rockland County, New York, it is well known, and there have been many cases of it. The clinical term is called hematohidrosis around the sweat glands, there are multiple blood vessels in a net-like form. Under the pressure of great stress, the vessels constrict. Then as the anxiety passes, the blood vessels dilate to the point of rupture. The blood goes into the sweat glands as the sweat glands are uh, producing a lot of sweat. It pushes the blood to the surface, coming out as droplets of blood mixed with sweat. So, it is a real thing. When Jesus suffered what he suffered, it was for real. You know, that really did happen. All right, um, Matthew 26 and 36. Anyone has anything to add they want to say? No, we'll keep going. Then cometh Jesus uh, with them unto the place called Gethsemane. That means a place of crushing. And uh, saith unto his disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him uh, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. So he was depressed. Uh, Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the, um, and findeth uh, them asleep, the disciples, and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? Uh, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again. So this is his hour of going through persecution. And his very own disciples don't even care enough to pray with him. Okay, so it says, And he came and found them asleep again, and their eyes very heavy. And he left them and went away again, and prayed a third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples, and saith unto him, He said unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the the hands of sinners. So, you know, basically what he was doing here was, even though he knew he was rejected, his own father never even answered his question whether or not, you know, he could be saved. I guess the answer was no, because he got no response. That he had to go through this, and he went through this alone. So let's go to John 16 and 28. You want to be complete in Christ because, again, you know, you go through this enough. I'll tell you what really turned me back to the Lord was I began to really study this world as it was. I think that's what removed the blindness from my eyes when I understood what the top people in the world believed, that their God actually is Satan. I won't debate with anybody here. I just tell everybody, do your own research if you don't believe it. Well, look up the bohemian grove where all the presidents and all the top people in the world go to to do human sacrifice and all sorts of stuff. OK, so the fact that I knew that these guys are in this and I understand that Satan really controls every aspect of this world, including religion. OK, that, you know, that made me seek the Lord that much more. All right, John 16 and 28. I came forth from the Father, and I am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to my Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. But this we believe, that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do we now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered every man to his own, and ye shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Okay, so what we want to do is have that praise, that cheer in, in Jesus Christ because he did overcome every temptation that we had ever endured Mm -hmm. um second corinthians chapter four now I am going to put this up. I'm going to ask Martin to put this on the side. But there's a lot of stuff concerning the demon of rejection. I mean, this has so much information. I knew I wouldn't read it all. But, I mean, it affects children and all sorts of things. Children that are abused, you know, it's really a sad situation because they get hurt before they even know what's going on. You know, parents are supposed to protect their children. And, you know, a lot of parents will leave their children alone, having them fend for themselves, which opens them up to all types of hurt and rejection and all sorts of things. And before they even know what's going on, the spirit of rejection may have entered into them. And I mean, many kids, because of this, they live miserable lives dealing with stuff. You know, it's just really unfortunate. You know, and that's when the devil loves to enter in, he loves to hurt kids. Most kids, I mean, I can't say every family, though, by the age of five or six, many of them um, have suffered so much trauma that Dr. Paul Hegstrom, who is a Christian that I look up, he says that if a child is wounded severely enough from the ages of five to 13, that if they aren't, um, if the Lord doesn't come in and, and, and heal them, that you end up, I think they said serotonin starts to go to the brain where um, well it stops adrenaline or adrenaline goes to the brain which stops serotonin from reaching the brain so this is why a child may suffer with anxiety and dealing with all sorts of stuff like because they, they go on survival mode so they live the rest of their lives on adrenaline this is why they're afraid and they're always rushing and something's always wrong and they're always feeling conflicted because you know that type of trauma can actually damage a child very early in life And Paul Hegstrom, the Lord had given him, you know, ways of letting the child know what happened to them in their lives. And the brain will start to rewire itself and do what is right. You know, now I trust in the spirit of God, but you guys look up Paul Hegstrom. He was molested and raped, I mean, about eight to ten times before he was um, 13 years of age. You know, this had happened to him and the Lord freed him. He became very violent in his marriages and his relationships. He was facing um, attempted murder charges. He was going to do like twenty years or something, and um, for his wife, and the Lord saved his life at that point, brought him back, you know, gave him a second chance. And you know, so many things had to change from him because this guy had so much anger that he could not control it. You know, he was uh, he would go to church and act like a really good pastor. You know, he was even pastoring the church at this time before he was you know fully delivered. But he said that his kids knew that he was faking it because he ruled in fear. Everyone was afraid of him. He was like a child, throwing tantrums, throwing cans of soup. I mean, I mean, this guy would flip out. But look up Paul Heggs from John Ritter, the actor, actually played him in a movie. But he's got some really good info as far as dealing with childhood trauma and things that kids suffer. And this is why the devil loves to hurt kids. All right, um, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that that are lost. So if you can't understand the gospel, it's hidden from those that are lost in whom the God, little G, Satan, of this world, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine through unto them. So it's a supernatural thing that has to take place. It begins with revelation. You make a choice upon that revelation receiving God, and then the truth will come in. As long as you feel you've got another angle, another way, oh man, he's just... Any other guy like the Easter Bunny, the Lord can't work with you that way. Chances are you'll go through more hurt and pain in your life until you come to the truth. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord of ourselves, for servants of Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of, uh, may be of God and not of us. So we have a treasure that God placed in every single one of us. When we believe that treasure is manifested and we have to dig deep in prayer and let the Lord reveal it to restore us to wholeness. Okay. But the reason why many of us don't get there is because we love this present evil world. This thing is capped off by flesh. God has remarkable things that he wants to do to you and through you. But when you love the world, you can't get to those things because you're distracted by them. And I always tell people, live in this world like the Bible says, but be not of this world. You don't have to forsake the whole world if you if you follow Christ. He'll slowly take things out of your life, but of course you're going to be married. Of course you're going to have kids. You're going to do things. But make God your head behind all that you do, okay? Seek his counsel in this world. We are troubled. Now, listen, look, look at how complete the Lord will make us. Now, trouble is sure to come your way if you live in this world. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always hearing about in the body and dying uh, of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Uh, For we which uh, live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So this is what it's talking about. Cracking open that earthen vessel, having Christ be informed in you. You get the nature of God. You don't have to worry about a lot of things. When you talk about casting out devils, healing the sick, doing the things that God would do, that's because Christ has been formed in us. That's where the power is. That's where the revelation is. But most of us don't dig deep enough. Why? We're dealing with rejection and all sorts of things. It's funny how when you tell people, okay, follow Jesus Christ, he'll give you this, 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 and this. And the Lord, the Bible will give you steps on how to get there. But what do rejected people do? That sounds hard. So I'm going to go to another minister that may tell me that this is not possible, even though I'm reading it with my eyes. But, you know, I'm going to go somewhere else so that way they can console me because I don't like having to do all of this. And they're out there. You have pastors that will tell you anything you want to hear. Any type of gospel you want, it's there. But it doesn't have to be the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the part that we need to make clear. We read the Bible for ourselves and the Lord makes things clear in our lives. Either that or it'll be like 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Mark Mark chapter 5. There'll be another Jesus, another gospel, and another spirit that you'll yield to. You know, and the Lord just wants to make us whole. I know I can't stress that enough. I'm not trying to babble, but... Man, try him out and see. The Bible says, Taste the Lord and see that he is good. It's true. I wish Trey could tell his story, man. That was a mirac that was a marvelous story, man. You know, when you said what you had to, what you did or whatever, and you got revelation right there on the spot as you asked for it. Alright, this is Mark five and one. Everybody there? This is the story of the Gadarene demoniac, Mark chapter five, verse one, and they came over unto the countryside of the sea, uh, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship immediately, there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him. No, not with chains. No, not with chains. So this would be a sort of madman that was definitely rejected. He was in the tombs, you know, um, away from people. But the Bible makes clear he had an unclean spirit. Because that he had been often. Yeah, Jay. Can I turn that off? Yeah. Yeah, you ain't got a roast to death. I didn't know it was that hot in here. Yeah, you turn it all the way up if you want. I think that's it. Yeah. All right, so... Um, All right, so this man, um, they said no man can bind him. This guy was up in the tombs. Because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. So we're talking a manimal here. This is what the world is actually being turned into, but we'll see. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. So what is this? This is self-mutilation. Okay? This is what the world is doing right now. Covered from head to toe in tattoos, messing up their earlobes, doing all sorts of things to mangle their bodies. What are they doing? This unclean spirit is trying to destroy the image of God. All right? So this guy is cutting himself and doing all this. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Now, this is not the man speaking. The man is obviously possessed at this point. You know, he ran to Jesus. The man ran, you know, threw himself before the Lord. And now the demon is actually speaking to Jesus. All right. So the demon said, Have you come to torment me not? you know, whatever, and, uh, 9, 8, and it says, For he had said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, This is the demon speaking. Now, anyone who's ever done deliverance or dealt with it, I can tell you firsthand this stuff happens. You cast out demons, or in the time of deliverance, demons will speak through people. So this is not far-fetched. Uh, So he asked him, he said, what is my name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. So Legion is like 2,000 to 2,500 foot soldiers. This guy had 2,000 demons within his soul. Okay, now I know that this can happen. Now notice, this man was very strong. He was breaking chains and, you know, like they were twigs and running around cutting himself. Wild man. See, now a doctor would say, well, he needs psychological help. This guy was full of demons. And this is exactly how the world will deal with a situation. They would have medicated this man. Jesus is addressing a demon. What people call disorders most of the time are demons. And they need to be dealt with as such. But only Jesus Christ can get to the core of that situation and deal with it. And he besought him much that he would not send him away out of the country. So this legion... Whatever his name was, this would be a type of root demon. This demon didn't want Jesus to send them out of the country. Demons like certain areas. Look at Portland, Oregon. Look at Vegas. Every place you live or every town that you go to has a different type of spirit that's into something else. Vegas, you know, everything goes. You know, um, New Orleans, everything goes. Portland, Oregon, keep Portland weird. And what do people do? mutilate themselves and do all sorts of things so you know demons themselves have personalities they like certain areas now there was nigh unto mountains a great herd of swine feeding and all the devils besought him uh, saying send us into the swine that we may enter enter, into them and forthwith jesus gave them leave so jesus the demons didn't want to go remember we read earlier Jesus said, an unclean spirit, when it comes out of a man, it walks in dry places. These demons would rather go into a pig than to, than to walk around with nobody. What does this tell you? Demons can even go into animals. Mm-hmm. Gary Price told an amazing story of his life. He said when he was a kid at home with his family that um, it was a black cat. I oh, know, black cat, right? He used to come around their house. And I'm um, always trying to get into the house, but they would always close the door behind them, not letting this cat in. He said one day his sister went up to the door, opened the door. Black cat ran inside before anybody knew what was going on. The cat went into one room, circled around, went upstairs, circled, another room, circled, came back down, circled, and left the house. You know, demon, I mean, the, the cat left. And uh, Gary Price said right after that happened... He said, my family used to be close and all together, but all hell broke loose in his family from there. His his mother left his father. His dad almost committed suicide. I mean, all sorts of things went on. Now, some people would say that's coincidence. That was going to happen. But you've got to understand familiar spirits and how witches use animals like owls or cats mostly to do certain things. All right. I know this sounds far-fetched, but it takes a spiritual mind to understand this. This is why Christians get plagued with so much, including the demon of rejection, because we're not even aware of the day-to-day attacks that we go through. We look at it like it's child play, when Hollywood has been telling you since the 50s, this stuff is real. They're not showing you this stuff to entertain you, they're telling you, but they know that we're not smart enough to figure it out because we like to be entertained. So, you know, he asked for the um, swine, uh, the, the spirits asked to go into the pigs, Jesus gave them access, Forwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. So they ran into the sea with the pigs, you know, and I don't know, maybe the pigs got violent or pigs didn't even want demons, and they killed themselves. They're not really clear on the story, but uh, 15. Now, look at this part. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and um, had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now, what does this tell you about people? Isn't it funny when you live like hell, when you live like the devil, when the cops were after you, when you found yourself in all sorts of trouble, Everybody in your family loved you Made excuses for you You know, tried to help you out And all this good stuff You come to Jesus Christ This legion, this man is sitting clothed And in his right mind And everybody's afraid Come to Jesus and people Oh man, you in a cult I don't know what happened to you Where did I go wrong with you? Why? Because they have demons in them That they don't want to change So the Lord will clean you and make you whole And people will say, man, look at him, he's crazy Now that you found Jesus, you're crazy. When you were living like the world, they loved you. What did Jesus say? If if we were like the world, the world would love his own. So we can't be offended by the rejection of the world. Let's face it, the world is crazy. Anybody can't tell this world is a demon-possessed society, crazy, kids in school having sex like dogs. You got all sorts of stuff going on. They're putting these bathrooms together. Again, I didn't show it last time, but this is the reason for the bathrooms coming together. This is Baphomet, okay? This is the image of Satan. It has breasts like a woman. It has a male member. It's part human, and it's part animal. This is what Satan wants to do with rejected souls. Why? Because Satan himself is a rejected spirit. He was rejected of God. When he forsake God, he didn't want to do the things of God. He was kicked out of heaven. Now, what does he want to do? He wants to make you be rejected to your God. A rejected spirit, a bastard spirit, hates people that have a father. When you've got a dad, notice how the world mocks you. Your dad is taking you out, and and the world can't stand it. People who have no father, oh, look at him. Think he's got something with his dad. Oh, you're old-fashioned. You listen to your dad. You need to be like us. Oh, you listen to your mom. A rejected spirit is what this world has become. And we've got to fight through that with the spirit of Jesus Christ. Rejection will make you put up with all kinds of hurt, all kinds of nonsense, having people treat you bad and you accepting it because it's become normal. Mm -hmm. These are the things that the Lord wants to take you from. Not having a sense of worth following the world, but to be made whole in him. All right. A bastard spirit is against God. Because God is a father and he has children. Okay? And he wants to look after them. So the enemy wants you to be like him. Satan's rejected. He has no second chance. He was a spirit being. He was there with God. He blew his chance. But the Lord has given us grace and mercy. Why? Because he loves us all enough to have us one day be with him. You know? It's the bastard spirit that's gone against the world. And I'll prove it. Oh yeah. Hebrews 12. That's what the world is trying to make you. Unrecognizable. Destroying God's image. And then when you're depreciated and devalued and you like the world, now the devil will put his arm around you. Yeah, you're alright. Yeah, I like you. are a good man. I'm going to give you you know, $20 million so you can rap to the young, ignorant, stupid kids so you can depreciate and devalue them and turn them into dogs and animals. Think about how men don't even care. Excuse me. Think about how men don't even care for women. You know, the way they call women and degrade women today. And you got women smiling in their faces, loving it. Think about what brought that on. And I'm not angry, guys, you know, it's just, you know, this is where the world is headed. And all the Lord wants to do is make us whole. That's the real reason people hate God. Because he won't let you do what you want to do. I remember when my parents used to make me go places and do things and take us to church. Man, I couldn't stand it as a kid. I hated church. I had to sing in the choir and do all this stuff. I hated it. But you know what I found out later on when I went back home to visit people that didn't have to go to church, that their parents let them run wild? Man, I went back home and heard them say, hey, man, you know, um, how's your family doing? And I'm like, they're good. And they were like, yeah, man, I remember your mom through all rain, sleet, and snow taking y'all back and forth to church and doing all of this. And I said, man, when I was young, I hated it. He said, yeah, but I wish somebody treated me like that. My mom didn't care what I did. Wherever I went, whatever I wanted to do, I did. He said, it would have been great to have somebody tell me, be home at 10. Be home at 930. I love you. I want you home. But, you know, when you don't care about a kid, you let them run wild. So, you know, we hate being told what to do. But to have that love in your life, man, that's not being rejected. That's being cared for. Girls with no fathers, boys with no mothers, man, you see a hate in them that you wouldn't believe what they go through in life. And that's why the Bible says if if your father and your mother forsake you, then the Lord will take you up. God will make you whole. He's the only father you need. He's the only one that will be there for you. You know, I mean, Ray Lewis said... And I hate to go into all this tragic stuff, but I'm, I'm just trying to give examples mm-hmm. about a spirit of rejection. Ray Lewis said, man, when I used to see my mom dating, you know, men used to beat the mess out of her and do all sorts of things to her. He said, man, I used to go back in my room as a kid and do push-ups until I threw up because I didn't want men beating on my mom. Now, you see the way this guy plays football? You see this, the stuff that he did in his game? He, he stayed with that hurt in his life. I mean, you know, Mike Tyson, similar story, man. There's so many people out there, rejected spirits, that Satan would love to put his arm around you. Man, I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. That's what gangs do. That's what pimps do to whores, okay? That's what they do to women who have no father, who don't know themselves. Man, I'll take you under my wing. Don't worry about it. I got you. Until he turns her out and depreciates and devalues her. And here the Lord will come. Saving you out of what you've been through. Man, come on home. There's no greater feeling than you forsaking your mom and your dad. And you went out there and you lived like hell. And then one day you come back home. You're, you're even embarrassed to because you know what you've done. You know where you've been. And they open the door and they say, come on home. They don't even remember the stuff that you did because they love you enough that you're home. Mm-hmm. We've got to get over this spirit of rejection. Hebrews 12 and 1 wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great uh, a cloud of witness let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us what is that race following the Lord you know taking that course letting him make the best of you letting him make you whole so you won't be rejected in following him, finishing that race in the heart of God. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, this is this is Paul speaking, the inspiration of the Lord. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. So if you do bad in the Lord, don't despise it if he, if he reveals to you what's wrong with you. You want that correction. You want that that beating, that little spanking. You want to be corrected and shown what's right. All right? Because it says, um, look at verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So what the Lord is telling you, I mean, he loves you is why he's correcting you. I mean, again, it goes back to what my friend told me, what he went through in his life. Man, he didn't feel loved. I thought he had it good. (laughs) I'm like, man, I got to go in the house while you get to run around and do what you want. But that guy would have given up his life in a heartbeat for someone that cared for him. His story is tragic too. I'll have to tell that another day. But look at verse 7. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as his sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, wherefore all are partakers uh, all are partakers then are ye bastards and not sons furthermore we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live so that tells us there you know without god's correction without his love if you don't have god in your life and jesus christ is your lord and savior The most you can be is a bastard spirit, wandering around, doing what you want. God's love is correction. When God is not paying attention to you and letting you do what you want, that's a curse. That's because he's done talking. So you don't want to have that in your life. You want your heart pricked when you do wrong because it only shows that he loves you. We'll go through one more thing, and I guess we'll conclude, but we are going to have a... um, You know, the Lord has put it on my heart to do this. So I guess I'm going to, um, I'm going to call all those when they're done, when we're done with this, if you're not sure of your salvation, if you want the Lord, you know, we'll receive prayer, we'll go through a few steps and you can have him as your Lord and personal savior because this is no time to be without God. November's coming up, all this stuff's going on with the election. They've got big plans here. And you want the Lord as your personal Savior Mm -hmm. that you don't want to miss out. You can take what I'm saying and, eh, whatever. Let's go to Romans 8 and 34. What time is it, somebody? I don't want to go overboard again. 9.52. 9.52. All right. It'll be out here in a few minutes. Romans Romans eight and thirty-four. That's right by Corinthians. Mm And I'm not sitting here talking like I'm holier than thou. You know, in my life, like I said, I've done some really bad things. A lot of children feel the spirit of rejection right out of the womb. I mean, you know, a lot of parents, if they don't want that child, they go on regretting being pregnant or whatever. And you'll find that child can get the spirit of rejection just like that. Being a rejected child, that's a pain only God can deal with. All right, Romans 8 and 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So Christ is up there interceding. If you have God Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, while you're down here messing up, struggling, trying to make it, Jesus is turning to his own Father. They're coming along give him a break give him a chance he's with me oh he's with you son hey you know because the only way to get to heaven is through jesus christ it ain't through us and we don't want to find out way too late that this thing is for real we got one life to live just like the soap opera Mm -hmm. all right Mm -hmm. verse 35 who shall separate us from the love of christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, which is a type of shame, or peril, or sword, which is war. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter without Christ. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things, Present or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, one thing about God's love is it's unconditional. Now, some people hear the words unconditional and they think, all right, well, if it's unconditional, why should I change? Because he'll love you even if he puts you in hell. That's why we started with um, Psalm 139. The problem for going to hell is not God's love for you, it's your love for him. he loves love you regardless. But the fact of the matter is, he wants you to come to him in seeking the truth. He doesn't want you to, to, to fall into condemnation. And isn't it funny how the Lord can have these, you know, words where he wants to call us up higher. He's trying to tell you, man, don't be a pig. Man, you, you belong to me, come up here. Come sit at the king's table. Be royalty. Be heirs of me. And we want to say, nah, man, I prefer the mud. It's a little bit more fun for me because I don't have to worry about it. Let the Lord work with you and make changes in your life. He will make you brand new. He said, though your your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. That's a deal you cannot pass up because the last time we ever felt clean was when we were in the womb coming out. Okay, when you see a baby's teeth, I mean, they're like snow white. I mean, they smell good. Their hair, their breath don't stink, anything. But look at how this body decays over time. It's not a permanent thing. You are dying every day. But the Lord is here wanting to make you brand new in Him. That's a deal you cannot pass up. You can, but it wouldn't be be a benefit to you. So, you know, that's just something to think about. The spirit of rejection... It's an ugly thing. We all know what it is to be rejected. But let's learn what it is to be whole in Jesus Christ. There are so many scriptures, again, I wanted to go into, but, you know, it never works out like that. There's always time. There's always things going on. You know, but we present what we can. But don't take these words lightly. You don't even know if you're going to be here tomorrow. You can go off to work or school or anything to come upon you, and that can be your last day. I have shaken, we have shaken the hands of people that have gone to hell because we were too afraid to tell them the truth in Jesus Christ. We were too worried about our own problems that we didn't see another, you know, condemned soul on his way to hell. So we held it in. Oh, I got problems. Oh, I can't talk to you right now. I'm dealing with something. Get that spirit of rejection out of your system Worship the Lord. If anyone wants me to lay hands on them in the name of Jesus tonight, I'm willing to do it. But one thing we want for sure is to be whole in Jesus Christ. Don't mess around with this thing. The spirit of rejection will turn into a bunch of other things, and you'll, you'll end up with a lot of hurt and pain in life. Get to know God. He'll make all your pains bearable. He'll, he'll free you from all those things that the world tries to bind you with, making you think it's the truth. And all it is is a little hamster wheel that you go on over and over thinking you've achieved but you have gone no further. Why? Because this world had limitations. But as the Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has for them that love him. Get to know Jesus Christ. Don't take what I'm saying as you know, well that's his opinion. We've lived our life. You guys have to know there's some truth in what I said. Look at all we've done. It still did not stop us from what we're dealing with. So right now, you got something you want to add? Yeah, Yeah,
1: just real quick. um, I just wanted to let everyone know that I'm actually proof that rejection can, you know, it can happen to kids when they're young. Uh, When I was a senior in high school, you know, I didn't, I was confused about a lot of things, didn't know what was going on and I uh, actually attempted suicide when I was a senior and you know it was by the, it was obviously by the grace of God that I'm still here today and he kept his hand on me but you know I'm just here to tell everyone you know if you know someone who's young and you see them going through it you know try and talk to them about the Lord try and you know intervene because it, it can happen you know it happened to me and you know the lord he intervened but it's just like it can't happen you know he had to heal me of that Mm -hmm.
0: you know so no totally i mean we've all got some tragic stories you know i aborted my own child okay you know i know what that is in life you know i was a murderer without god i was a beast okay and i'm telling everybody here that the lord can redeem you and make you right OK, I'm not proud of the things that I had done in my life, but I know that he's freed me from it. And I can admit that today because of the fact that he's made me whole. He's taken that from me. Is he still working on me? Absolutely. I'm not perfect by any means, but it's a process I'm willing to go through because just how he wore this flesh and he was tempted, you know, he knows you're hurt. He knows what pains he knows what you lay down and worry about. That's why he's God, and he makes no apologies for it. Why not get with the Savior, the creator of the world? He who understands all things. That should blow us away. Understanding all things, and he's calling you friend. He wants to be your friend. You know, we we add nothing to God by getting on our knees and praying. He adds to us. Mm -hmm. He allows us to be with him. But whether or not we come along with him, he's still God. And that's the thing that we need to recognize. All right. so, at this time, if no one has anything to add, I'd love to pray for anyone that needs it. If you're unsure of your salvation and you want to have a life with Christ, you want to get to know Jesus, you know, raise your hand. You know, um, you'll come up. We'll be able to um, get you on the right path with Christ. You have to accept him. It's something that you have to admit. So right now, I'm going to tell you that the enemy will be more than willing to get you to sit right where you are and not want it. He'll tell you if you can hold out for a few more minutes, this whole thing will go away. But I'm telling you, if you make this step, if you take this step with Christ, he will walk with you the rest of your days. So if you're unsure of your salvation, and you want to have a relationship with Christ, I'm asking that, you know, you can raise your hand or come forward. We'll say a prayer and accept him as your personal Savior. But if you don't, that's between you and him. I'm just saying that the offer is open. So is there anybody right now who wants prayer or anything like that? Something you're struggling with, something that you know that you've done or you've dealt with in your life that you want forgiveness for and you want to come to the Lord? Is there anybody here? Don't feel alone, don't feel rejected, don't feel like it's nothing, oh, well, if I go up, everyone's going to know I have problems, because I'll tell you what, we've all got problems, all right? I love the people that when they have an altar call, every Sunday, they're going up there, and then you're wondering, wow, this person must sin a lot. It's got nothing to do with that. That's a broken person that knows that they need Christ, while you got the religious people sitting in the back cold as a stone. Acting like they they live perfect day in and day out. A real Christian is broken over his sin and wants to make improvements in his life. So, anybody want a prayer? Our last, all right, Andrew. What about you, Devin? I'm fine. You sure? Yeah. All right, you Ashley.
1: Thank
0: you. You sure? You sure? A little Eastern, huh? You want a prayer, Eastern? Yeah. All right. All right, you guys
1: stand.
0: Mm -hmm. If you want to help out in unity, help them out. Mm -hmm. All right, raise your right hands, guys. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father,
1: Father.
0: (coughs) I repent of my sins. I sins. I I understand now. I, I that you are God, and you are the only way. I ask, I ask, I ask
1: from,
0: this day on, from this day on, that you make me whole, that you make whole, that you me whole, that you deliver me from all wickedness, from all wickedness. Hold me, hold me. Hold me. Nurture, me. nurture me, build me up build me up. make me new, make me new, I understand, I understand, I am a sinner, I am a sinner, and I cannot go any further, and I cannot go any further, without you, without you, I am now covered, I am now covered, by your shed blood, by your shed blood, you died for me, you died for me, 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, I repent, I repent, I accept your gift, I accept your gift Of salvation Of salvation Uh, If you have any sins at this point guys Anything that you want to confess Anything that you know that you've done That you want to let go You know I'm asking that you say a quick prayer That you let it out you pray inwardly Or you can confess them Because the Lord will make those changes in your life If you confess your sins He is faithful and just to forgive your sins You guys can say it under your breath, I don't have to hear it, whatever it is, but make sure that you confess it before the Lord. Because from that point on, he's going to carry you every step of the way. He is a father, he is love, he is a true and giving God, and he'll never forsake his people. So whatever it is you need to repent of, just take this time real quick. Lord, I'm asking at this time for those who have stepped forward. You know what hurts and pains they have in their lives. I'm asking in the name of Jesus that they all be removed. At this time, I'm coming against all principalities and powers the spirit of grief, Lord, the spirit of rejection, all foul spirits, all spirits against the kingdom of God. I'm asking right now that it go. I'm asking in the name of Jesus that it flees and that it has no place here, that your people have been made whole. They have accepted you as Lord. So, Lord, from this point on, you cannot lie. You are God. And, Lord, let us hold true to your promise. Keep us, Lord, in this time of need. Take us the rest of the way. Do all that is necessary for your people. Free us right now, all demonic presence and spirits. In the name of Jesus, I call them out right now that they go. That they have no place here. That they have no place here. Take a deep breath, guys. And let it out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, you, Lord, for this time. Let's give the Lord a hand. Let's praise him. He is God. He can do all things. From this day on, he's going to make a change in our lives. And you just wait and see. And for anyone that doubts, Ask the Lord to reveal himself to you. He will do it. He is God. He's going to be with you guys the rest of the way. Heavenly Father, for those who have stepped forward, Lord, I'm asking that you watch over them and keep them. I'm asking that you impart your spirit to them, Lord, because they're aware of what's going on. I'm asking from this day, Lord, that you take them through dangers seen and unseen, that you make them out to be the men and women that you have always called them to be. You are God, and you can do all things. Lord, I'm asking that you make their gifts be revealed upon them, that you give them newness of life, that you take away every spirit, Lord, every thought that is not in the obedience of Christ. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray. May they continue to come. May they see the truth in you. May they know the error in their ways. This generation, Lord, we need them. They're young, and they're growing up in perilous times very trying times, and I'm asking, Lord, that you do a mighty work here. It was the youth, Lord, that went into the promised land, and some of us were just a bridge, and I'm asking right now that you raise up mighty men and women. Take away the shame of this world. Destroy it, Lord. Put it under your feet, for you have made your enemies, Lord, subject to you. This war has already won, Lord, but we still have a battle to fight over our souls. And I'm asking, Lord, that you take us through. I'm asking that you release your warring angels, Lord, from heaven, that they may come upon us, Lord, and help us war a good warfare. Protect us, Lord, in all that we do. Watch over the things that we do. Watch us from all the company that we have and those that we keep. For you, God, Lord, the youth need you. We all need you. You have taken us, Lord, from so much. And I'm asking, Lord, that you take us the rest of the way. We plead with you, Lord, to do a mighty work because you can, Lord, and because you will. Lord, do all that we've asked, all that everyone here has prayed for, for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus, you. Amen. Amen. Amen.